Thank you for listening to this week's episode of 22 Motivational Minutes with Marlo, where we connect and collaborate with experts in their industries, published authors, and fascinating people. As a chief inspirational officer, I'm focused on the development of people by unearthing their values, talents, and self-worth, otherwise known as that self-esteem factor. People matter, self-worth matters, time matters. When it all aligns, everything works. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode of 22 Motivational Minutes with Marlo. And this week, we have Mark Metry with us. And Mark is the host of the Top 100 Humans 2.0 podcast, and he's a speaker. He comes to us from Boston, Massachusetts. And Mark is a Forbes featured speaker. He's interviewed billionaires, New York Times bestselling authors, and world-class human beings on top of the 100 podcast. But once upon a time... He couldn't make eye contact, I mean, direct eye contact with anybody. And Mark suffered from social anxiety, from health issues, and then not living the life that he was strategically designed to live. And right there, you can tell we're going to be jumping in on that topic on this episode. At the time, Mark has been on the planet for 21 years old, trying to impact and influence others by evolving himself. And the way that he's impacted and empowered others is to upgrade the next version of his of himself. And so he's the 2.0 Mark Mentry. So thank you for joining us today. Marla, thank you so much for having me on. Very flattering words. Absolutely. Okay, my friends. So, you know, as people are listening to this episode, they hear that introduction. I'm going to let you lead. Where do you want to take us right now? Hmm, hmm. Very interesting. So, I mean, I guess we could start by saying, you know, when I look back at my entire life, I was always trying to get better. And I was always trying to get better and improve in the sense and the mental tools in which I had. And so, you know, I remember when I was like seven years old, um, you know, I came from a a family that uh, was very much humble beginnings. Um, You know, we got by because a lot of people in our community supported us. They donated food to us. We were living on government housing. And, you know, I remember when I was seven years old, I would, you know, cut out different uh, newspaper clippings and turn them into baseball cards. And I was just always trying to make money somehow. But I mean, it's interesting because I'm looking back at that now and I realize that the reason why I did that was I love, you know, collecting things. I love talking to people, but I was also doing that so I could pay for my own lunch. So my parents wouldn't have to give me money. And it's like, when I look at that, I I look at the time when I was 12 years old and I first got online and I began making YouTube videos before YouTube was uh, YouTube. And then eventually when I was 15 years old, I ended up starting like my own six figure business from doing something that I loved doing. And I think all of those different sorts of motivations are sort of similar to the motivation of why I'm doing everything that I'm doing today. And it's just, I'm trying to improve. I'm trying to be successful. And at the beginning, you know, I sort of had like a chip on my shoulder. Maybe I still do of, you know, I faced pretty severe social anxiety. I ended up living for like most of my earlier years in a very small town, basically an all white town. It was me and about a a few other families. And I got bullied. I always kind of felt like I was isolated. I was living in my own bubble, 
when I was facing that and when I was kind of trapped in my own mind, I still wanted to be successful. And it's just like, I wanted to, to prove the world wrong. I, I thought that um, sort of unconsciously speaking because of my upbringing, like money was my issue or not having enough. And then my subconscious was slowly working on how to solve that problem. And when I was 15, I solved it. And that for me was a really interesting time because it began to set the course of my entire life. When I was 15 years old and I had achieved my lifetime financial goals, that there's so much more to life. And I began to realize that I was just chasing societies the classic American dream, you know, like this six figure salary, you buy a house and you know, you, you have a wife or a husband, you get a dog and then your life, all your problems go away. You're happy now. That was the operating system that I was on. And it's like, once I began to make that money, it took me a long time to figure it out. But then I began to realize like, wait, what, like, what actually is this life? Like, what am I put here to sort of do? And I remember as a kid inside my mind, despite, you know, having my own complexities and issues, there was just a part of my mind that just thought I was going to go down in history <laughs> as doing something great. Yet the real world, my real world actions sort of didn't map for that. And like, you know, to make the long story short, when I was 18, 19 years old, I kind of had this real transformative moment in my life where I got um, real honest and truthful with myself after falling down this very dark time in my life over a few months, I was suicidal. I gained a tremendous amount of weight. I was over 200 pounds. I was even socially isolating myself even more. And I began to, from that point, use my pain. I began to stop running away from it. I began to stop using different kinds of vices to try to mask the pain. But I actually began to tackle it forward. And I began to shift my perspective. And then eventually it led me to you know, being a person who I am today. And so I'm still sort of the same person that I've always been as a kid. But in some respects, you know, if you knew me three years ago, there's a complete fundamental 180 degree shift between who I was physically, mentally and spiritually to who I am today. And it's like the reason why I'm doing this whole thing is just so I can get other people that were once in my position other people, you know, when I travel around and I go to schools because they ask me to speak and I see kids, you know, walking around the hallway or I see a kid, you know, sitting in the back of a classroom by himself or somebody sitting at lunch um, alone. I'm trying to get to that kid. But then also, as I've been throughout this journey and as, you know, I've started this little podcast of mine, which has been listened to millions of times, I'm also getting people who are like 67 years old who maybe see a part of themselves in me and in what I'm doing. And that motivates them to do what they need to do in their own lives to live their own life path. And so, yeah, I'm just a 21 year old out here just trying to take advantage of every moment. Okay. So from that, and I, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I do want to key in on some very powerful things that you mentioned, because this is where the real juice is for the audience. And you know that. So when I got to know you, you shared that you were an immigrant. Mark. So just give us just a little bit of insight in how that kind of describes going through that circumstance. But can you take us there and, and the awkwardness that you were feeling and just not belonging? Can you give mm. us that story? You, you know, you're a real phenomenal host because I think that string to touch on is, is very, very important. So 
you know, I was born in 1997. My parents immigrated here from Egypt just a year before I was born. And they kind of like left their jobs. They left their whole family in Egypt. They didn't even know English. They came here with $200. You know, they moved to Massachusetts, Boston, the East Coast of the United States. And they really hustled and grinded their way up. When I look back at my childhood, I have nothing but very simple and happy memories. But I mean, if you're living in kind of that immigrant type lifestyle, uh, and for those of you guys that don't know, it's basically, you know, you don't spend money on anything. Like I, I literally don't recall having any kind of money to my own up until I made my own business at 15. Uh, I remember as a kid, we would literally travel, we would move to a different apartment building like every year. When I look back at that now, I think part of that was contributing towards also my social anxiety of constantly moving, not having a solidified group of friends. I think it kind of built in that a little bit. And then on the other side though, I think it made me a little bit more uh, resilient. And you know, Marlo, like when I look back at this, I think the real sort of juice to this is when I was 18, and I had hit that depressed spiral that I told you about before. A big part of me shifting my perspective was actually um, over the summer taking a trip back to Egypt. And I hadn't been there since I was a kid. And when I went to Egypt, that's where I started to connect a lot of the dots of my parents left, you know, their, their family, everything that they knew to go to a different country to give me, uh, my sister and themselves a better opportunity. And it's like when I got to see that firsthand and I also got to see firsthand how my life could have potentially been if we would still be living in Egypt, it is just sort of unfathomable. And um, when I had went there in 2016, Egypt had gone through a few different uh, revolutions with their government and you know, they saw people getting killed in the streets. They saw some horrible things. And it's just like when I began to see that and I began to connect the dots, that is really what enabled me to shift my perspective. And then I, you know, became more aware of the memory of, you know, my parents had to get up every single morning and whether it was go to work, whether it was take care of me and my sister or do whatever it is they need to do, they did that to survive. They did that to provide for their family. And it's just like, that requires a ton of mental toughness. And I remember when I was a kid and I saw that every morning, like that is the reason why today I have mental toughness. It's for that exact reason, because my parents did it for me and I want to do it for my kids as well. And so I'm really glad you asked that. I think it plays a critical part in, you know, sort of creating my legacy here. Oh my gosh. Okay. So you say mental toughness. So a few more things come from this, you know, mental toughness, of course. Yeah. If you're interviewing billionaires with a B people that are listening to this episode, I mean, that's a big, big deal. In addition to those New York times bestselling authors, right? You are being so uncomfortable, but Mark, this is the thing that I picked up and, and I know people are keying in on this and they're going, Marlo, I hope you ask this question, but you know what? 16, you were in six figures and 18, 24 months later, you were in a depressed state. So 24 months in there. So how did you go from being, you know, uh, 
building a business at 15, 16 being a six-figure earner to 18 years old being in a depressed state. Can you give us and connect those dots to, for our listeners? Yeah, totally. So like I said, I had never had any kind of money in my life. And when I started that business at 15, it Can was a very ask, fun business. What is that business? What, what were you doing, Mark? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. So have you ever heard of that game called Minecraft? Oh, yeah, I think we all have. Yes, it's pretty popular. <laughs> yeah, so I actually ended up starting the world's number one uh, multiplayer Minecraft server. And I just started it with me um, and some of my friends. It was like literally just for pure fun. When I had first started it, I didn't even know you could make money through it. Um, and so it was something that I honestly got, that I just got lucky with. I stumbled into it and then eventually... I began to learn, I began to apply, and then, you know, pretty soon after, it began generating, you know, a ton of revenue. And so, even after I was making that money, with something that I love doing, playing a video game, basically, it's not like I was slaving my hours away of life, right? And so, I was doing something that I loved, making a crap ton of money, and yet, and yet, the voice in my head was still telling me, Mark, dude, you're a loser. <laughs> you wow. still have a super low self-esteem. And it was because I, I began to realize what I had mentioned a little bit before of this whole contrast of what real success is versus sort of outer shallow financial success. And so when I had made that money, it didn't make me any happier, but I thought it would. And I didn't know why. And so that began like this cognitive dissonance in my brain of me not understanding two things in life. And eventually that actually like year by year, that made me more confused. That made me uh, a little bit more anxious actually. That made me a little bit more depressed. And when I ended up going off to college when I was 18, what got me depressed was connecting the dots basically of my life. I was connecting the dots of, okay, Mark, you, you know, you like, you know what you've done. Of course you have a lot of problems. Everyone has problems, but you know, you did this when you were this age, you did this when you were that age, when you were 15, you started this. And so like that gave me this belief that I was just always meant for something bigger. And yet when I was going off to college, when I was 18 years old, I wasn't actually taking action and putting in the work of what I knew I had to do. I was just going off to class, I was binging Netflix, I was partying, I was eating food all the time, abusing it, and I wasn't actually doing what I knew I should be doing. And that is what really drove me down a dark path because the matter of the fact is, I began to, to play out my future. I began to really see, you know, using my you know, brain's neocortex and say, okay, Mark, you don't want to be somebody that peaked at the age of 15. Every year, you've got to be getting better and better and better in your own way. And yet, I had sort of been using the money that I had made and sort of like my own uh, short success when I was 15 as almost sort of an excuse to be complacent and lazy and not actually live up to that humans 2.0 full potential that I always knew I had inside of me. And so when I discovered that and I sort of began to shift that, it took me a while, but eventually it ended up leading me towards somebody 
that I've always sort of felt like I could be, but was always very not in touch with my entire life for literal reasons, for health reasons, for my own, you know, personal issues. At the end of the day, you know, it was all my responsibility. And I think that, you know, when we're growing up, when we're younger, I think we always have access to like this greatest true version of ourselves. I call it like version 2.0, but it's like until somebody teaches us or until we see an example or until we experience something in our lives, it's very hard to take that and implement that in your daily life. And so for me, those ages between sort of 15, 16 to 18, that was like this unraveling, this understanding of who I was actually meant to be in life. And then the actions, the the day-to-day things that I needed to do. Because if you have a vision of who you are in your mind, but you don't do the actual work, even though you should, you're living a, a life of sort of almost quiet desperation. And I knew if I kept on that track, my depression, my anxiety would be so much worse. And I knew I would one day be on my deathbed and have so many regrets. And so when that happened at age 18, that was literally like this divergence of like these two different forms of life, like these two um, parallel dimensions. And I stepped into the human 2.0. And once I made that decision, you know, I've been on this journey ever since. Sometimes it sucks. Sometimes it's really hard. Um, but I mean, it's, I, it's the marathon of marathons that I'm sort of running. And so, uh, yeah, I hope that answers your question. Oh, it totally does. It does. And so, you know, what I'm hearing here is, you know, you've grounded yourself in your vision. You actually started to witness what Mark Metry is supposed to be in life. And then you married not only the vision, and that's why I say inspiration is vision-driven, motivation is goal-driven. So you inspired yourself by saying, look, this is what's possible for me. This is the potential that I have in life. But then you started to say, you know what, I'm going to match it to the actions. And that's for what, I mean, our audience is hearing that's where the dots connected. But was there a, so this is a 36-month journey that you are describing. Was there a catalyst moment, Mark, that, I mean, you've talked about kind of going underground, suicidal, a bit depressed, living a shallow life. But was there one day or one circumstance or one opportunity that connected it for you and said, look, I'm going to be my best self. I'm going to do the 2.0 version that I'm called to be. And that's where my impact is. Was there one? Beautiful question. Beautiful question. So, so after I had gone back from Egypt and my mind started to shift, I started to partake in new habits. So for me, the big ones were uh, eating healthy, exercising, sleeping well for eight hours, um, because I had never done any of those things. And once I had started to do those, I was like sort of halfway on my path and then halfway not. And like what I mean by that is like I had one foot on the right path, but I also had one foot on the not so right path. So while I was doing all those things, I was also partaking in, you know, some not so great things that like were the human 1.0 version. I was still partying. I I wasn't really using my time uh, well. And for me, the real shift ended up happening. Um, you know, I remember the day specifically, it was, um, November 8th, 2016. And this shift happened because about a week or two prior to that, I had just began meditating every single day. And when I began to meditate, it slowly began to expose me to who I actually was. It actually began to decondition me from all of the crap 
from my psyche and my identity that I had built up. And I began to realize that a lot of the voices that were in my head weren't actually mine. They were voices, they were um, thoughts, opinions, criticisms from other people that I had heard and I had, my brain had internalized them and then just repeated them back to myself. And so I began to experience that and it was so, so painful. And I remember on November 8th, 2016, I was taking a nap and I woke up from that nap and I was sort of in between like the half asleep dream state versus like half consciousness state. And I had like this overwhelming urge, this feeling, this almost like this nagging push. And it was like, it almost kind of felt like I was talking to myself. I was telling myself, Mark, if you don't get up right now and do something, anything, you're never going to change. You're always going to be stuck in this half land of, oh yeah, I'll do that tomorrow or, or tomorrow or later is another word for that's never going to happen. And so in that moment, I got up. I had no idea what I was doing. I just put on my shoes. I got outside and I just began to walk to Target. <laughs> nice. And my main mentality was I'm going to go to Target to buy a whiteboard and to buy a journal so I can begin to put out the, the, all these thoughts that are going on in my brain, to write them down on paper, to try to make sense of this. And so when I was on my way to Target, I probably had like the most uh, profound, maybe like spiritual awakening mm -hmm. process right. that I had experienced. And a lot of things were going on, but really Marla, what was happening was I was just going back like in my head and just playing out my entire life. And in that moment, I actually understood that every single thing that had quote unquote happened to me in my life was a hundred percent my responsibility. It was all in my hands. All of the great things that I did, that is all my, that's all because of me. That's all my responsibility. All of the bad things, that is also me. And when that happened, I really took ownership. I took responsibility for my life. You know, I just sort of like broke down in tears. That was like the real sort of line in the sand. It's always been a struggle, like I've said, but that was like the real moment. And when I went to Target, I got the whiteboard. They had one journal left and the journal that was left said, ideas become things, or it was like thoughts become things, something like that on the cover. Right. I began to chart out my goals, what I had to do every day to hold myself accountable and all these different things to like rewire my brain. And it's like ever since that moment, nothing's been the same ever since. So that's a, that's a great question. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh, I just love the way that you played that out because we heard about you speaking of your vision and that shift. And it was the vision tied to the clarity that you were really being called to be mm -hmm. in life, allowed that shift to happen, which gave you, um, you know, it was through that meditative state though. It was like by you practicing mm -hmm. the clarity of like, what are you supposed to do? I think that's where it just, you know, the universe shows mm -hmm. up for us in the ways that we don't always ask, but that's, um, that's a very poignant ex example and experience. And we are so excited. Okay. I wish we could keep going. We're going to have to have a 2.0 uh, episode because this is, you know, I didn't even get to the question of uh, interviewing billionaires and, and bestselling authors. <laughs> this is where we're going to come in to, um, to the close of our episode today. And, you know, thank you. And I'm so grateful for your time and your collaboration and sharing with our audience um, 
who Mark Metry is and the experience that you've had as a very successful young entrepreneur who's made six figures and has really kind of set the storm for yourself to just really be untouchable. And uh, there's huge value in that, Mark. So thank you for that. Thank you, Marla. You're so awesome. You're such a great host. Okay, well, this is the thing, and this is where I want to lead. We have the Maverick Movement, and the Maverick Movement, it's a daily ask on our Twitter and our Insta platforms, and the purpose is to pose a challenge question each day that assists us in developing more Mavericks and champions, right? And so Mm. the way that we respond and then when we see other people in the feed, how we learn from them, that helps us develop our mindset and gain greater perspective. And so can I ask you uh, the Maverick mantra? challenge question of the day, Mark? Mm, sure, sure. Okay. So, It'll be easy, no pressure. Okay, so this is, the, this is the Maverick question. If you could have one word describe you, what would it be? Learner. Ooh. Can I expand on that? Please. For, yep. So when I was doing all this deep work on myself, I realized that a pivotal point, a pivotal concept is identity. And yeah, habits are important you know, who you associate yourself with, what you read. Yeah, all that stuff is important. But I realized that the real game shifter, the real sort of like matrix (laughs) thing is identity, how you view yourself. If I view my identity as, let's say, like a podcaster, quote unquote, and let's say something happens to my podcast, or let's say somebody else does a better job at a podcast, my now like core identity is decreased. And so I began to think and I said, what's the one thing that I could put on my identity? What's the one thing that I could look at myself as in a way that will consistently make me grow and not be tied down to temporary labels in which I condition my happiness to be? And I realized the one thing that I do have control over is what I learn. If I'm going through a terrible experience, I always ask myself, what can I learn from this? If I'm going through a great experience, I ask myself, what can I learn from this? And it's just like that core identity, that core image of who I am is something that is unchangeable. It's never going to change. Learning is the key to life. And if you can embrace that mentality, all of your problems become learning opportunities. And so that is the one thing for me. Learner. I love it. Oh my goodness. Okay. So this is where we're going to wrap up. Can you tell us where we can find you online? Yeah, I'm mostly active on uh, LinkedIn and and Instagram. Um, If you just search my name on Google or whatever it is, Mark Metry, M-A-R-K-M-E-T-R-Y, you'll find out where I live. Feel free to get in touch with me. Very happy to hear from anybody who got some kind of value from this episode or maybe has a follow-up question for me. Perfect. I love it. Okay. So to learn more about Mark, you can visit our website at marlohiggins.com where you can learn how to connect to Mark's resources and add him to your circle of influence. Thanks again, Mark, for joining us today. And we invite you to share this podcast with others and thank you in advance for that partnership. This is Marlo Higgins, your host and chief inspirational officer. Thank you so much. As your chief inspirational officer, I coach executives to gain clarity and remove self-doubt to increase performance in sales. To book a complimentary coaching session with me, simply visit marlohiggins.com and click on the work with me tab to schedule a call. Did you like this podcast? If so, subscribe and share with all of your friends. And if you want even more awesome resources to gain clarity and remove self-doubt, plus some personal insights from me that I only share in email, 
get yourself over to marlohiggins.com and sign up for the email updates. Thank you so much for listening and I'll catch you next week on 22 Motivational Minutes with Marlo. If you're into it, subscribe, leave a review and tell all of your friends. We would sure appreciate it.